Merry Christmas. Yeah, it's a full house tonight. Um, man, I love Christmas. kind of want to sing all those songs year-round, but then I feel like it would lose its edge. So part of me is glad that we only do this a certain number of days per year. Thanks for bringing the church into this building this evening. My name is Jamie. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, whether this is home for you or you're visiting from somewhere far away or regionally far away even, I'm very excited that you're here this evening. If you do live in this area and you don't have a church home, my hope is that as you come in here and you gather with us this evening, that you experience both truth and grace and that that somehow compels you to explore this church and what God might have for you in 2017 as we dive into a January series on why the gospel matters and how the gospel can impact our lives in the everyday rhythms of life. This evening, we're going to spend just a, a few minutes in the book of Titus uh, as we just read chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. The book of Titus is not exactly a book of the Bible that gets preached very often around Christmas time. This is likely maybe even the first sermon that you've ever heard at a Christmas Eve service where uh, the church has opened up the book of Titus together. The premise of this book of the Bible is that the Apostle Paul, as he's often known to do, has recently passed through a very pagan area, an island area known as Crete. And he preaches the gospel and a number of churches are birthed in that particular area. And then it's off to the next frontier for the Apostle Paul. He is a trailblazer. And so he leaves his young protege, Titus, to do the messy work of establishing the church on this island of Crete. It's up to Titus to raise up healthy leadership, to fend off false teachers, and to root the church in sound doctrine. And the book of Titus, you could say, is essentially the playbook for how to make all of those things happen. And the non-negotiable heart of the playbook is actually found in chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, what we'll look at this evening. The fascinating thing about these verses is that they contain a summary of everything that we've been talking about as a church for the past several weeks throughout the course of our Advent series. And so if you've been around for the past few weeks, I have to let you know that you're probably not going to hear anything novel this evening. But what you will hear with great clarity, I hope, is the gospel, which begins in verse 11. It says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. That word appeared, let me just start off by taking us to, to the Greek New Testament. Let's just start off in shallow waters, right? Um, the word appeared in verse 11 actually comes from the Greek word epiphane. It's where we get our word epiphany. It carries with it this idea of, of light shining upon. When you have an epiphany, it's like a light bulb goes off in your head, right? Uh, where there was once a darkness in thinking, there's now a radiance in understanding, you might say. And that's how the Apostle Paul describes salvation. God's grace bursting forth like a light in the midst of the darkness, which is the story of Christmas, isn't it? In Genesis 3 tells the story of a world going dark, the entrance of sin and suffering onto the stage of human history. The entire Old Testament tells of a world having come unraveled, a world in need of redemption, but it also tells of a hero to come, one who would slay those darkened dragons of Satan, sin, and death. For the grace of God has appeared, Paul says. How, you might ask? In the humble trappings of a smelly stable, surrounded by blue-collar field workers and Gentile astrologers and court magicians. I've said this for weeks, and I'll say it again tonight. God's way of saying, I'm not here for those who think they have it all together. I'm here for those who are fully aware that they don't. Make no mistake, verse 11 of Titus chapter 2, and really the entire story 
of Christmas is an indictment on man's efforts to attempt to save himself. There's a reason that the grace of God appeared in the person and work of Jesus shining in into the darkness. It's because our, our efforts to brighten up our own darkness through good works just don't work. We need a light that shines brighter than you and I could ever shine. Christmas is an indictment before it's a joy. We're meant to, to feel our desperate need for a Savior. That God came to us is an unwavering declaration that we can never get to Him. We can never do enough to bridge the gap between our sinfulness and His holiness, between our darkness and His light. But here's the beauty of Christmas. Christmas is the celebration that we don't have to. Christmas is the celebration that we can stop trying to impress God. Christmas is the glorious declaration that we're uh, free from the empty chase of trying to earn our own rescue. Christmas is the glorious declaration that God has done what we can never do. That gap that we can never bridge between us and God, God has bridged that gap himself. And he did so in such a way as to communicate that all are welcome. From the most pagan of astrologers to the most blue-collar of shepherds, the gospel is for you and for me. The gospel is personal. That a light has shined forth into the darkness. That's the story of Christmas. The perfect, sinless light, Jesus Christ, would go on to die a sinner's death. Jesus was born to die. When you see the baby in a manger, we're meant to think forward to the cross of Christ. In Paul's words, verse 14, Jesus was born to give himself for us, to redeem us from all lawlessness. The greatest mission impossible the world has ever known. Not only having become possible, but having become reality. Jesus lived the life that we can never live. Jesus died the death that you and I deserve to die. Our sins were put upon him and he was punished in our place, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, conquering those darkened dragons of Satan, sin, and death. God's rescue mission, make no mistake, is not based on human merit. It's not based on intrinsic lovability. It's not based on moral fiber. It's not about impressing some divine elf on the shelf. The world says that there are naughty and nice people. The gospel says there are naughty people and Jesus who came to die for naughty people like you and me. And that's good news. And so if you're not a Christian, I invite you, even in this moment, to turn to Jesus with nothing more than your sin and the empty hands of faith and to receive the greatest gift that's ever been given, namely salvation by grace. Christmas is not the celebration of self-rescue, so but rather the celebration of, of rescue. Jesus, our rescuer. Uh, this intertwined into the story of Christmas. Christmas is, is meant to overwhelm us with the humble condescension of the eternal God. Uh, the one who created everything in the beginning had to be taught how to spell the things that he had made. The one who carved out mountains and valleys in the beginning had to be taught how to work with wood as a carpenter. It's really crazy, isn't it, when you think about the story of Christmas. Verse 11 tells of a God who would stoop down in order to rescue us out of our hopeless state. A God who can't fathom a storyline in which he doesn't die in the place of those who deserve to do the dying. It's the beauty of the gospel. A God so filled with love for his people that he would take on a killable body in order to sign the check for their ransom with his own blood. Way better than John McClain, by the way. But God doesn't love us enough to simply convert us. He loves us so much that like a good father, he won't allow us to be crushed by our own complacency. He's not just on a mission to, to rescue, to ransom a people for himself, but also to refine a people for himself. As Paul says in verse 12 of Titus chapter 2, God's grace not only saves us, 
but also trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. I, I love that wording. It's the grace of God that's the fuel for growing in godliness as a Christian. That the more we bask in God's lavish grace and love for us, seen most visibly in the sending of his son, the story of Christmas, it has a way of changing us. I've said this before a number of times here, and I'll say it again. It's not enough to believe that God so loved the world. There's this personal element that we need to get wrapped up, our hearts intertwined in this story that God so loves us. He so loves you. He so loves me. There's something personal about the Christmas story. Verse 14 says it this way, this, this idea of God's refining work in the Christian's life. It says, God gave himself for us not only to redeem us, but to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. In other words, what that means is that that baby lying in a manger is about so much more than a get-out-of-hell-free card. When we look down on the baby resting in a feeding trough in Bethlehem, we're not only meant to see the one who will provide our ransom, but also the one who will make us clean. That Christmas is just as much about purity as it is anything else. God, God loves you too much to just simply convert you and then just leave you on your own. That's not the Christian life. His rescue mission is way more comprehensive than that. He loves you so much, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that he will take you through the crucible, the refining fire of his love. He's relentlessly committed to prying your heart's grip from lesser things that cannot ultimately satisfy you. Whatever it takes to make your heart happy in him. That's just as much a gift this Christmas as is his rescue. Christmas is not only the celebration of God, you could say, stooping down to dwell among man. Christmas is also the celebration of God by his spirit dwelling within man. As Paul says, the hope of glory is not just Christ among you, but Christ in you. That's amazing. That's miraculous, right? The one who took on a bruisable body in order to sign the check for our ransom with his own blood did so according to Titus chapter 2 verse 14 in order to purify for himself a people for his own possession. That your refinement your holiness is part of the rescue mission. It's part of the wonder of Christmas. That God will not rest until you find your perfect rest in him. So we have this past tense celebration of a rescue mission that happened 2,000 years ago that we celebrate. And that makes sense around Christmas time. There's also this present tense celebration of the refining fire of God's love at work in our lives for those of us who profess to know and love and follow Jesus. But, but what about the future? There's that lingering question of, are there any future tense gifts under the tree, so to speak, that the gospel offers us? And verse 13 presents us with a resounding yes to that question, I think. Having been rescued, past tense, presently being refined, Paul says, we wait for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 13 is not a description of Jesus' first coming. It's not a description of the baby in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths. It's a description of the second advent, the second coming of Jesus. The first coming of Jesus, verse 11, was the appearing of God's grace. The second coming of Jesus, verse 13, will be an appearing of God's glory, Paul says. Our blessed hope, which stands in stark contrast to the curse pronounced on man back in a garden so long ago. A curse that, that you and I, if we're honest, we know the effects of all too well. Right? We still live outside of Eden, do we not? 
The world as we know it is broken. It's filled with thorns and thistles. It's filled with miscarriages and labor pains. It's filled with broken homes and abuse, betrayal, disappointment, loneliness, sadness, sickness, and even death. Some of you bring real grief into this room this time of year. The beauty of the Christmas story, a couple things. One, it speaks of a God who's not removed from the story that he's authoring, but rather one who entered into that story as a very character himself, that God understands what it's like to live in the midst of the brokenness, that when when you think of that baby lying in a manger, don't just think of Jesus taking on a killable body. Rather, think of Jesus in the flesh surrounding himself with everything that makes this world sad. That's a part of the Christmas story. He understands what it means to live outside of Eden. It's very unique, the God of Christianity, in that way. But even better than that, verse 13 declares, when he returns, his blessings will flow far as the curse is found. We sing that this time of year. That's true. The Christmas story isn't over. The the same Jesus who made his appearance in a lowly manger a couple thousand years ago is going to come again. And when he does, he's coming to make everything sad untrue. It's going to be amazing. And the best part of that happy ending is that we will see him. And he'll be just as visible and real as he was in a low-down stable a couple thousand years ago. Have you ever thought to yourself, I wonder what it must have been like to see Jesus, like visibly with, with your eyes, God in the flesh. What must that have been like? The beauty of verse 13 is you're going to know. You're going to know what that's like. The apostle John says it this way. He says, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Verse 13, the future tense hope of the gospel is meant to rally God's people. It's meant to rally our hearts to to long with eager expectation and anticipation for Jesus' second advent. I said this a couple weeks ago. I'll say it again. This is going to sound like a major buzzkill on Christmas Eve. But less than 48 hours from now, we're all going to wake up to December 26th. It might be the most depressing day on the calendar, right? Because you wake up to a tree that has to be taken down. You you wake up to ornaments that must be put back in boxes. You, You wake up to stockings that must be taken down from the mantle, at least at some time in the near future, right? There's there's Something disappointing that comes in the wake of Christmas having come and gone. But here's what the gospel declares. When Jesus returns, it'll be the greatest Christmas moment that's ever happened in all of human history. And there will be no December 26th to follow it. Isn't that good news? Eternal unending bliss in the presence of our Savior and King, Jesus Christ. The Christmas story is meant to rally our hearts, to to long for, to anticipate for that day, for that true Christmas. But make no mistake, as as we get ready to leave this place in just a few moments, the Christian life is not a life of passive waiting. The story of Christmas is not a story that, if you believe it, you're meant to keep to yourself. The story of Christmas is a story that, if it's actually true, it has to be told. It has to be shared. From the youngest kid in this room to to the oldest adult in this room and everyone in between, it's a story that we're meant to open up with others and share with them the beauty of. I mean, certainly Christmas screams, come and see. 
Come to Bethlehem and see Christ whose birth the angels sing. We sing that every year. Come and see the miracle. God having entered into our story to give us hope. To do whatever it takes to make our hearts happy in him. But know that Christmas was never intended to stay in the realm of come and see. Come and see if you've actually seen always leads to go and tell. Go and tell people this Christmas they can stop trying to impress God. Go and tell people this Christmas that they're free from the empty chase of trying to earn God's love. Go and tell people this Christmas that God has done what man can never do. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions about this message, visit us at crosspointptc.com. There you can contact us, find further resources and directions to our gatherings. That's C-R-O-S-S-P-O-I-N-T-E. PTC.com.